Let's give attention now to the reading of God's word, Psalm 144, beginning with verse 1, a psalm of David. Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings I will sing praises to you. The one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as pillars sculptured in palace style, that our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields, that our oxen may be well laden, that there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no outcry in our streets. Happy are the people who are in such a state, Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen. We'll end our reading there at the end of Psalm 144. Let's once again ask for God's help in prayer. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we look to you now to speak to us from your word, to open it to us so that we might truly understand, truly receive, truly believe, and truly apply. And Lord, we pray that the Spirit would go with your word today to convince us of the great happiness that we have because we belong to the Lord. And now we join our hearts and voices to pray together as our Savior taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Psalm 144 is clearly coming close to the end of the Psalter. After Psalm 144, you get five psalms that are sort of outbursts of praise, which are particularly characterized by the word hallelujah. But in this psalm, you get a sort of a compilation. Many parts of this psalm are drawn or are paralleled in other psalms. Psalm 18 is particularly relevant as providing a lot of the background, but there's also allusions to Psalm 104, to Psalm 33, to Psalm 8, and to assorted phrases in other psalms as well. And so it's interesting that Psalm 144 is just here in the Psalter and that it's drawing, it's collecting together themes from a lot of other psalms and putting them together 
into one package. And then its conclusion is going to be, happy are the people. Oh, the blessedness is another way to translate it. Oh, the blessedness of the people whose God is the Lord. And then how does the book of Psalms end? Well, it ends with a fivefold hallelujah chorus, if you want to put it in those terms, with five psalms of praise the Lord. In other words, this psalm, bringing together themes from the rest of the Psalter, making the case that happy are the people whose God is the Lord, then gets the reader of psalms into the frame of mind to go through those hallelujah psalms that follow and to truly praise the Lord from the heart for all the many blessings that have been received. Now, we're not focusing on the whole psalm this morning. We want to focus on that concluding phrase particularly. And, of course, the teaching of that phrase is pretty straightforward. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. So we can rephrase that a little bit, and we can say the Lord's people are happy. That's our doctrine for this morning. That's the teaching of the text The Lord's people are happy. Or if you want to be a little bit more fulsome, you could say, the Lord's people are a happy people. Now, in context, of course, there's more than one way to understand this. Some people will take it as a contrast. Some people will take it as a correction. Or some people will take it as a description. Let me explain what each one of those means. There are some people who say, here's happiness. What he's been describing is happiness. But in contrast, here's an even greater happiness. Here's a consummation of happiness. If you think you're happy when your barns are full, when your sheep and cows are bringing forth by the thousands, when your sons are as grown plants and your daughters as palace-style pillars. If you think you're happy then, well, you haven't seen anything yet. You're really happy when your God is the Lord. There's some people who take it as a correction. This is happiness, but it's not real. It's not ultimate. It's not absolute happiness. And you can see those two are just slightly different. Or then you could take it in terms of Pursuing that theme of happiness up to its ultimate source. Where do these other blessings come from? Where do these other ingredients that make for happiness arise? Well, they arise from having God, the Lord, to be your God. Now, I think there's probably an element of truth in all of these. They're describing happy conditions. Certainly, a strong, a loving, a peaceful family, that's a big contributor to happiness. Having children that you look at and you are happy with and proud of them, that does make you happy, doesn't it? Having everything going smoothly and prosperity increasing, well, that sure doesn't hurt with being happy. Having peace around Peaceful circumstances, no breaking in or running away, no outcry in the streets, whether that's an outcry because of violence or an outcry because of injustice or an outcry because of danger, whether from foreign invaders or others. Well, when there's no outcry, that's good. Those are all conditions that make for happiness. Well, who gives those things? 
when we're enjoying peace, when we're enjoying prosperity, where do these come from? Well, we sing it every Lord's Day, don't we? Week by week. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. So I think we can certainly see that the last line of the psalm points us from the gifts back to the giver. It says, if you have all of this, you need to be thankful. You need to praise God because he is the source of all these blessings. Every good and perfect gift is from above. However, we can't just say that because there's another expression. There's a different take on this in the book of Habakkuk. If you want to turn over to the book of Habakkuk to see it there, Habakkuk chapter 3. Now, if anybody's wondering where to find Habakkuk, I'll give you a clue. It's right after Nahum. Now, that makes it easy, right? Everybody knows where to find Nahum. Habakkuk is in between Nahum and Zephaniah, and we want to find Habakkuk chapter 3. This is prob- these are probably the most famous verses from the book of Habakkuk. Chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Listen to this. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now put that together with Psalm 144. There they're describing the olive is not failing. The produce of the flock, the the increase of the flock is there. Happy are the people that are in such a case. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Now Habakkuk takes it in the other direction, even if none of that happens, even if there's scarcity, there's famine, there's poverty all around, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, the Bible is not contradicting itself. We need to put both of those things together. And you might remember our Heidelberg Catechism does that. It puts both of those together when it asks what it profits us to know that God's providence governs and sustains all things. That we may be thankful in prosperity and patient in adversity. It gives us both of those. If God is the one from whom all blessings flow, then when I receive those blessings, I am happy because they came from God. But if those individual blessings are turned off, if I'm not receiving them right now, I can still be happy. I still have God. And so this tells you that the Lord's people are a happy people. We're happy when we receive blessings, when we receive the things that naturally make to happiness, not just because we have those things, but because we know where they're from. To us, they are indications of God's love. And we're happy when we don't have these things because we still have the Lord. I mentioned that in Psalm 144, there's echoes of other psalms. Well, it echoes Psalm 33, verse 12 also. Blessed is the nation. And the word blessed and the word happy, they're the same word. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. And there it's not talking about other blessings. There it's talking about the blessing of belonging to the Lord. So the Lord's people 
are a happy people. We're happy when we have other blessings. We're happy in the absence of other blessings. We're happy in both cases because our God is the Lord. Now, before we move on, I just want to take a moment to make sure that this really sinks into everybody. Do you have things to be thankful for? Do you have these external blessings in your life? Well, give thanks. Look to God. Remember that he is the giver of them, and he's given them because he's good. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Are you missing one or more of these things? Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. You can be happy because you have a source of happiness that can't be turned off. You have something that can't be taken away. And when you are enjoying those temporary blessings, you can enjoy them, you can relish them, you can receive them with gratitude, and yet you don't have to set your heart on them. You don't have to be crushed when they're ended. If you put all your eggs in the basket of earthly happiness, that's very, very weak foundation. That can easily be removed. Health gets worse, hard times hit, conflicts arise. But if you're happy in the Lord, and it's your happiness in the Lord that spills over into those things, then you can enjoy them when they're there, and you can see them go without being devastated. But why are the Lord's people a happy people? Well, I think there's several ways to answer this question. But of course, an indispensable element of answering that question is the Lord's people are happy in belonging to the Lord because of who the Lord is. You notice what he's been called in this psalm. He's my rock and my loving kindness, my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield. What is God? God is a source of strength. God is the strong, the almighty one. You see what he can do in his majesty. When it says, bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down, touch the mountains, just barely brush them, and they shall smoke. The Lord is the almighty, the omnipotent one, the creator, the upholder, the sustainer, of heaven and earth. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Israel was surrounded by people who proclaimed other gods to be their gods, who swore in the name of Baal or in the name of Molech or in the name of Chemosh, who swore in the name of all these fictitious and demonic entities. Were they happy? Not compared to Israel. Israel had the living, the true God, the mighty God, the God who could protect them, the God who could take care of them. Moreover, this was the God who had raised up kings, who had given deliverance to David, his servant, from the deadly sword, the God who established his kingdom on earth among men in the figure under the type of David's royal kingdom. But this is not only a God of might and of power. This is also a God of loving kindness. Notice that title given to God at the beginning of verse 2. My loving kindness. Now this probably deserves a sermon all to itself. But what does it mean to call God my loving kindness? Other versions will translate my steadfast love, my mercy, my compassion. What is it talking about? Well, first of all, it's saying that the root, the source, the fountain of all loving kindness is God. God is very gracious, of tender mercy 
to his people. And that's part of the happiness of belonging to the Lord. It's not just that he's strong, though certainly that's a part of our happiness. But along with being great, he is also good. He is mighty and he is merciful. But when David calls him my loving kindness, you wonder if there isn't even something more. Where does our loving kindness, our capacity to show this covenant love or this steadfast loyalty come from? Well, it is the Lord who puts that also in our hearts. And so you could see David recognizing the loving kindness of God and David also recognizing the loving kindness of God in making him a covenant partner, in making him to seek and to serve and to follow and to love and to cling to the Lord with this kind of quality of steadfast love, of covenant commitment would maybe be a way to think about that as well. No wonder David says, I will sing a new song to you, O God, on a harp of ten strings. I will sing praises to you. This is the God who makes his people happy because of what God is in himself. God can be the happiness of his people. You know, by the way, this also allows us to answer the question, if this doctrine is true, if the Lord's people are a happy people, how come we don't always feel happy? How come sometimes we look at ourselves and we think, well, we're miserable? Well, there's more than one reason for that. Sometimes we're miserable because of sin. Sometimes we're miserable because of the burden and heat of the day. But a lot of times we're miserable because we have forgotten who God is. Not absolutely, not completely. If somebody said to you, who is God? You could answer. But it hasn't been a living part of your day-to-day reality. You haven't been thinking about it. You haven't been digging into it. God is the happiness of his people. But in order for you to experience, in order for you to relish and enjoy that happiness, you have to know God. You have to be thinking about it. He has to be uppermost in your mind. Or other things, smaller things, can crowd out the happiness of being the Lord's people. This calls us, in other words, to think about God to know who he is so that we can dig into it. Books and sermons on the attributes of God or about the doctrine of the Trinity can be helpful here. But really, all of those books are just drawing on Scripture. So if as you read Scripture, you ask yourself, what does this say about God? That's a great beginning. That's a wonderful help to keeping who the Lord is uppermost in your mind. Just from this psalm, what difference would it make to how you feel about tomorrow if you remembered, the Lord is my rock? Maybe you're facing a battle. Maybe there's some conflict or some struggle that is going on. But he trains your hands for war and your fingers for battle. Well, that's a big help. I don't like battle. I don't like conflict. But if the Lord is going to go with me, if the Lord is going to teach me, if the Lord is going to help me, that makes a big difference. Now I can go into battle with something approaching confidence. Now I can even battle cheerfully because the Lord is with me. Now that's just one verse. And you could expand on that. What does it mean for the Lord to be your rock? Well, what's your firm foundation? What's your place of protection? What's your stability? A rock represents all of those things. 
Is the Lord those things to you? He is. But do you know it? Do you dig into it? Do you enjoy it? Do you relish it? Do you spend time with it? The Lord's people are a happy people. The more you know the Lord, the more these elements of happiness can be uppermost in your mind. But we need to move on because there's a second part to our answer. Why are the Lord's people a happy people? Well, they're happy because of who God is. They're happy in the Lord, but they're also happy in being the Lord's, in belonging to him. I think it was Martin Luther who said that a great part of faith exists in the possessive pronoun. What he was talking about is when we're able to say, the Lord Jesus is my savior, or when we're able to quote Psalm 23 with conviction, the Lord is my shepherd, not just a shepherd in general, not just a shepherd to some other people. The Lord is specifically, specifically, personally, uniquely, individually, my shepherd. Well, you have that all over this psalm. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, my loving kindness, my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, the one in whom I take refuge. And at this point, you understand why verse 3 says, Lord, what is man, echoing psalmate there, what is man that you take knowledge of him or the son of man? that you are mindful of him. Why should the Lord be these things to us? Well, it comes back to who he is. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of condescension who stoops to enter into relationship with his chosen people, who bends down his ear to hear our prayer, who bears his arm to intervene mightily on our behalf. The Lord's people are happy not just as though it were a small thing because of who God is, but also because of who that God, that majestic, omnipotent, merciful God, who he is to them, who he has committed to be for their sake. Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. We have nothing of value that we can return to God. We don't add to his glory. We don't contribute to his happiness. We don't do something for God. We don't give him anything he didn't have. And yet, God subdues the people under King David. God delivers David, his servant, from the deadly sword and gives salvation or deliverance. And then, of course, he gives those other blessings that are in the concluding verses of the Psalms. He gives growth, increase in the family in terms of numbers and in terms of relationships, in terms of personal abilities and development. He gives prosperity in the world. He gives peace in society. The Lord does all these things for his people. God's people are happy because of who God is. They are happy because of who God is to them. And of course, when you've said that, you've already implied, you've already suggested 
that God's people are happy because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because it's in him that God meets with us. It's in him that God becomes our God. How can I say that the eternal God, the God who made the heavens and the earth is mine? I'm a sinner. I'm not only weak and unworthy. I'm not only temporary and not worthy of taking, of being noticed, but I'm a sinner. I'm a rebel against the Most High God. How can I experience, how can I enjoy the happiness of the Lord being mine? Well, it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, he's the ultimate reference of this psalm. David was a type. David was an anticipation. Who had his people subdued under him? Well, you remember, we are subdued. We accept the reign of Christ because God, by his word and spirit, calls us and changes us. He makes us willing in the day of Christ's power. We kiss the son. We embrace him and submit to him. So when the psalm talks about the people being subdued under somebody, That points forward to the Lord Jesus Christ triumphantly conquering, winning the hearts of his people through his word and spirit. Delivering David, his servant, from the deadly sword. Well, the deadly sword reached the ultimate David, the true son of David, and yet he overcame afterwards. He was killed, he was buried. But he rose from the dead, according to the scriptures. He ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God. All authority and power has been given to him. Truly, this king has received salvation. And by being delivered himself from death, he's become the author of eternal salvation to all who believe. What is the happiness of belonging to the Lord? It is the happiness of of being called a Christian, of being united to Christ by faith, and so of being a partaker of his anointing so that we also may confess his name, may present ourselves to him as living sacrifices of thankfulness and with a free conscience may fight against sin and the devil in this life and hereafter in eternity reign with him over all creatures. Do you know this morning, that the Lord's people are a happy people. There's two ways to apply that. One is a warning. Stop looking for happiness somewhere else. The other things that contribute to happiness come from God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Don't think that some other source will have the happiness you need. We can do this sometimes when we're stressed out, when we're tired, when we're run down, when we're overwhelmed. We think that there will be some happiness, some relief for us in sin, in worldliness. And it's never yet been true. The experiment has failed every time it's been tried. But in our folly, in our blindness, in our ignorance, we keep going back to it. So application number one, because the Lord's people are a happy people, don't look elsewhere for happiness. When the Lord gives you blessings that help you to be happy, like good health or good weather or good harvest or whatever else, praise God. Give thanks to him. But then the second word of application is just don't be unhappy. (laughs) 
when you belong to the Lord. Don't walk around feeling like you have to be miserable. Don't walk around feeling like you've been cut off from everything good. If you belong to Christ, if you are the Lord's, you have the true, the genuine source of happiness. You have been joined to God. You are his by covenant. I'm not saying you don't have any reasons to be unhappy. There are trials. There are sorrows that reach us. I'm not saying it's wrong to cry. I'm not saying it's wrong to feel those pressures. I'm saying don't let that reality, and it is a reality, but don't let that reality hide from your view the source of happiness that you have in belonging to the Lord. Psalm 144.15 was not written by a person who had experienced no trials. It was not written by somebody who had no ups and downs in his life. David had a rough life in many ways, but it was still true, and he could still say it with conviction. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord.